Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Natalia Ribby, founder of the awe-inspiring Ladies of Restaurants community and all-round hospitality champion. Coming up on today's show... Natalia shares an out-of-depth career moment. But there's nothing, you know, stranger than an American teaching English people how to brew tea. More hardline questioning from Phil. Could you jump into the world of making sourdoughs and stuff like that? And Natalia reveals a minor perk of the job. I almost got sent home one day because we did the Blood Diamond premiere party and I just couldn't stop staring at Leonardo DiCaprio. All that and so much more as Natalia talks us through her story and journey to date. In addition, we learn about the incredible and awesome thing that is Ladies of Restaurants, a wonderful community group for, you've guessed it, ladies in the restaurant industry. It's amazing work and already doing some serious good. Thanks so much, Natalia. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode each week telling the amazing and always amusing stories from hospitality. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share across your favourite social networks. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today, I'm super excited to delve into the entrepreneurial and community networking world. Currently a freelance consultant in the UK food and drink world, as well as founding the UK-based hospitality initiative, LOR, or Ladies of Restaurants, I am super excited to welcome Natalia Ribby. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. I'm finding my rhythm in lockdown three. <laughs> Are you really? That's yeah. good to good to hear. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this one. I started off with it being kind of, oh, here we go again. Same old, same old. But I, I don't know whether it's just the depths of winter. I'm starting to feel like I really just want to break free. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there. I think there's definitely been moments of, of yeah, reaching my breaking point. But um I think just leaning into the fact that this is our, our normal for a longer than we probably anticipated, then that helps with the uh, wanting to not lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you jump into the world of making sourdoughs and stuff like that? No, I, well, the first lockdown, I made banana bread genuinely, wholeheartedly in week one just because I had off bananas and then it was like <laughs> everyone was making banana bread and I was like okay well I'm obviously not alone in, in thinking to do that but I'm not really like I like to cook and I like to bake and I like to try new things but I'm not I'm not the cook of the house it's not something that that's right. my partner's domain so yeah I'm a I'm a cooker I'm not a baker yeah I don't like the rigidity of recipes I like the I like recipes to kind of give me some inspiration but then I I like to make my own adaptions. You see, that's where I I differ. And also it was surprising to me because I'm normally someone who likes to, you know, color outside the lines, so to speak. And right. <laughs> with baking, I like that it's so exacting. Maybe it's the, the German in me and the like organized side. But I like that I know if I put X amount of that and X amount of that, it will make that. There's no right. there's no way of messing it up. It's like it's very specific. So Yeah, my my wife is exactly the opposite as me. So if we're ever host, oh, remember the days when you could host dinner parties. Well, you ever do um, most. yeah, one of them? Then I I'll do all of the the savory dishes, and she always does the the, the dessert, uh, mm. and it it seems to work. Usually, well. my job is the wine pairing. I do the cocktails and the wine. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Also, something I love. But anyway, I um I digress straight away. Uh, it's not, not like me to do that. So. Yeah, well, let's just kick it off straight away by going all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into the world of hospitality and food and drink? Um, quite naturally, because my father was a, a trained chef who then moved into the hotel world, which meant that when I was, well, we were growing up in America until I was about 15, you know, I was around hotels and food and drink all the time. And my parents hosted a lot of dinner parties and then I kind of quickly started to host my own parties in school. Uh, and then when I was 15, we moved to Romania and quickly after that to Hungary, where I finished high school because of my father's job. Right. And so it was just kind of like ingrained in me from the start. And when I went off to university, I started out in Austria in Vienna and I worked at uh, my dad's friend's wine bar. And that was when I really started to get the taste for like 
what that means to work in hospitality. It's when I, I was introduced to Gruner Vetliner and Riesling and actual wine pairings and service. I was a bar back, so it was a very hands-on job. Um, so that was like my first taste. And then I went to school for theater and like any good failing actress, uh, <laughs> I moved <laughs> to New York to finish my university, to finish my degree in theater. And obviously worked in a restaurant the whole time I was in in school. My godfather was a GM of a a really famous restaurant of its time called Danube, which was in Tribeca in New York. It was a sister property to David Boulay's very famous restaurant, Boulay. Um, Again, of its time, like very sort of 90s, noughties. It was uh, Austro-Hungarian. And then I worked there as a maitre d'. And that was like a crash course in super high-end hospitality and like, and really having to remember, you know, what tables guests like and who has allergies. And, you know, we had an expediter on the pass and, you know, you had to step this way and pull the table that way and Mm. remember every ingredient. And, you know, that was, as a 19 year old, that was actually really intense. But, you know, I think I attribute a lot of my knowledge to those three years that I worked there. It was also that that world of uh super luxury or super high-end hospitality is just it's just incredible isn't it i remember on i used to work on cruise ships and i remember when they they handed me the manual for how to serve a table and this was a thick manual yeah and you think how the hell can you pad that out but it was like so detailed around how how far you need to be standing from the table when you're taking an order and that kind of detail and i just found that really really interesting it um yeah I found it really interesting too and I think I loved the spectacle of it I loved like my godfather knew every detail about every regular guest and like you know oh we have to get the Krug champagne on ice because so and so is coming in and like oh no you have to move table fifty nine actually no one sat at table fifty nine that was the worst table in the restaurant you have to move table fifty seven because so and so is coming in you know it was such I think obviously the theater in me I loved the drama of it so that was. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely another huge taste of, of getting into the industry. But I still had it in my head that I wanted to be in, in an actor or, you know, a performer of sorts. Yeah. Um, so I moved on to work at a few other restaurants in New York. I worked at Le Cirque, which, again, another, like, notable New York establishment that had a few homes. I worked at the one in the Bloomberg building. And, I mean, Le Cirque means circus. It was exactly that. But in all the best ways. Again, another, you know, sort of fine dining style. I didn't work in the dining room. I worked in the lounge bar. They um, historically never had women actually work on the dining room floor. When I worked there, they had hired their very first female to work on the floor. So it was a bit like dated and odd. And I was, you know, this sort of young 21-year-old serving Runar Blanc to Blanc in the in the lounge with, you know, yeah. Woody Allen coming in for his Easter Sunday. Of course, yeah. <laughs> it was a wild place. You know, I almost got sent home one day because we did the Blood Diamond premiere party and I just couldn't stop staring at Leonardo DiCaprio. But <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, Paul Bettany, like, scooted behind me and I, I, I just couldn't start. I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh, my God, how is this happening? And I ran into Jennifer Connelly. It was just a nightmare. But um, goodness, yeah, my first day of work there I actually spilt four glasses of champagne all over the owner, Sirio Maccioni. And that was oh, what a way to make an impact. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't fire me. I was very upset about that. But they <laughs> said um, next time I had to pay for his dry cleaning. So and that was these a- are the lessons you learn, right? Exactly. Put your fingers on the stems of the glasses. Don't let anyone knock you over. Um. So again, after the Cirque, I actually graduated and again, like I started auditioning and I just hated it and I hated the com- competitiveness of it, which is odd because I'm actually kind of a competitive person. And I... But that, that world's a different kind of competitive though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's cutthroat it's competitive. Really, yeah. And I, I wasn't finding the joy in it. Whereas when I would go to work at the restaurant, I did and... I think I still in that moment didn't really see it as a career until I started working at Blue Water Grill in Union Square, which is part of like, well, it's closed now, rest in peace. It is a part of a bigger group called Be Our Guest, which had like a monopoly on, on the city. And everyone said, if you work for a Be Our Guest restaurant, you know, it's like boot camp. And it was my first time right. being a proper waitress. And when you were saying earlier about the manual, I mean, 
the training that we had to go through was two weeks. We had, you know, the, uh, we had a, a 73 question test. You know, we had to name the, what is it? 14 different ingredients in the chopped salad at the drop of a hat. And, you know, it, it was so rigorous. Mm. I mean, I made the best friends that I've ever made in my life there. It was like being a part of a family. And that wasn't, I really started to see like, oh, okay, like this is fun. And, educational and it can be a career and I I am meeting the most amazing people so when I'm when I had this sort of epiphany I guess I was about to turn 25 and I just had it in my head that I didn't want to be a waitress by the time I was 25 there was just something about that connotation I just didn't like which in hindsight I wish I'd almost like taken it a bit slower I moved over to work right. for Tom Calicchio who is the famous Top Chef host, but he, all more famously, to me at least, was the head chef who opened Gramercy Tavern with Danny Meyer, and then went on to open his own place called Craft, which is like actually parallel to Gramercy Tavern. Um, and then he opened on 20th Street, and then he opened Craft Bar, which was this sort of like casual fine dining um, called, you know, place. And I went by myself and I sat at the bar one night, you know, it was what you did in New York as like a person, you would go and you eat at a restaurant if you wanted to work there. So you could really experience it and see if you wanted to, to be a part of that. And I just remember this guy, David was taking care of me and I was a solo diner and they like sent me something extra. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to work here. And unfortunately I showed up hungover to my interview because you know, 25 and stuff. Um, but they did Tom didn't seem to mind. Tom, my one of my managers, ended up working for. And they hired me as a maitre D and within four months I got promoted to hospitality manager. And that's when like things really started to shift for me and I started to have ownership of things and it was a like a challenging work environment. There was a little bit of gaslighting and bullying and I was the youngest and only female member of staff and not that I think that that should be, you know, the sole reason why that happened, but it definitely felt like that at the time. And right. it, you know, was definitely the catalyst for setting up ladies of restaurants, which we'll get. I was going to ask that. It sounds like you've had a couple of early experiences that maybe sowed the seed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate. I think, you know, I, I was coming up in that sort of, yeah, naughties time in New York and, I really witnessed, you know, some not nice things and some not nice behavior from both front of house and back of house and just this sort of like given that like, that's just how it was. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was sad. But, you know, I look back at my time at all the restaurants I worked at and I can see the good things that I learned and got from each and every one of them. And the only, and the bad things that came out of it, I've managed to spin into this incredible community. So, yeah as sad as it was and as annoying as it wasn't as as hard as it was being a young person feeling like am I crazy am I am I doing something wrong <laughs> but yeah. uh, as a you know I can say that as a 35 year old grown woman no you weren't doing anything wrong they were doing something wrong so yeah it just shows you doesn't it that there can be these amazing positives that come from really crappy negatives and that's, I mean, I've probably polarized by the time that we live in, right? It's everybody's champing at the bit to, to crack on, but so many people are now innovating. It's quite incredible. Yeah, it is. I think it is really good. It doesn't justify it. I'm not saying that, but... Um, no, not at all. But, you know, I, I'll i be the first person to say that I don't think that we should, you know, harbor on about what happened in the past. Like, it's about moving forward and mm. taking, yeah, these negative experiences that have happened to all of us in any industry and making a shift and a change and I know making something good out of it. So yeah, I don't want to absolutely. dwell on the negative anymore. No, absolutely not. <laughs> wonderful positives have come from it. So, um, yeah. so there we are. I still uh, have yes. like moments where I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, this one. Yeah. But I, I, it's, I, it's, it's, a, it's, just a it's a it's not and this doesn't justify it in any way shape or form it was a very very different time right yeah. thankfully people are waking up mm-hmm. now that you know and that's that that's actually not just uh directed at bullying of females in the workplace that's just bullying like per se yeah no i um, think it's, a, it's not a, a, a anything to do with 
um, sex. I think it's like the bullying mentality of the hospitality industry, which to a certain extent, I think made me a better person. So I'm not saying that like, you know, it's a high pressure environment. Like it is, like I said before, dramatic and it's, it's stressful. And, you know, there, there, there needs to be some understanding of that when you're wor- working in a high stress, high pressure environment. But that doesn't mean that it should, you know, continue out of service or that maybe there's not a conversation after service of an, either an apology or a let's look back at why that happened mm. or let's find a solution so that that doesn't happen again instead of, well, that's just the way it's done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, where, where did you go next? I decided that I was done with New York. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I moved to London. I had no job. I'd given notice on my position at Craft Bar and they said I had to give three months, which I thought was really ridiculous because it's New York and anyone would have wanted my job. But I, so I was like, that's fine. They gave me a timeline and I like, I literally had three months to sort my shit out. <laughs> and I moved on February 1st to London with nowhere to live, no job, and about two friends from school, from uh, from high school in Budapest who had gone to uni here. And right. I just kind of hit the ground running. I had an interview with Soho House and that didn't go, I think, how I wanted it to go. I was ready to... Like, Were you hung over again? I wasn't hung over again, <laughs> Because, you know, really wanted to make a good impression on all these new London people. Yeah. I think there was like a sense of, you know, uh, a huge ego as a New Yorker as well, which is which I had to calm down very quickly. Um, right. But I think also that uh, I had it in my head that I wanted to move off the floor and that I was ready at 26 to, you know, 20, whenever, yeah, 26 to to do to make the jump to be an operations director. I knew that. I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and when they were like, you can come be a cocktail waitress, I was like, cute. Obviously, don't see my potential. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to be a cocktail waitress either. Again, I you know I felt like I got my manager feet, so that wasn't the right position for me, regardless of how mm. I felt. So I went on several more interviews. And end up taking a job at Kettner's, which I know you had Elsa on the show. Yeah. Yeah, Elsa hired me at Kettner's. Really? Yes. My word. I didn't know that. I I genuinely didn't know that. This is not me doing uh, little sneaky networking on on podcast shows. (laughs) But um, yeah, small world, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So she hired me. She'd worked at 11 Madison Park. So as soon as she saw that I came from New York, she was like, I literally sent my CV and my phone rang like two seconds later. (laughs) She was like, "Uh, hi. And she sounded, you know, American. And I was like, and she was really, you know, enthusiastic. And I was like, this is not what I have been experiencing on my interview hunt in London. So this is refreshing. So, um, yeah, I went ended up taking a job as a reception manager where again I think that my ego probably got in the way of it and it wasn't a bright place for me to be for my first position in London I think there was a lack of structure there there was a lot of like moving parts and there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen and it was a huge building like from a historical sense like I learned so much about Soho and London and the city and how things work just from being in that area but as a right. job, it wasn't great. So I left after about six months. And um, so I left there and I'd been keeping in conversation with another person I'd interviewed, for, interviewed with, Clive Watson, who at the time was, was a co-owner of the Garrison Village East and the Riding House Cafe. So two on Bermondsey Street and one in, the, in central London. Mm. And I'd kept in touch with him because I'd, I'd turned down a job as a manager at Village East because I didn't want to do those like, 2 a.m. closes as a new person in a new city right um, that's fair enough yeah it was like I was the only reason why I turned the job down I think I, everything else was like ticked all the boxes and so yeah I said to him look oh, you know I've realized the error of my ways and I can come <laughs> back to you and so we just started a conversation again that ended up becoming a receptionist for him at Riding House Cafe and I just thought oh it's fine like I'll just he said just do this for a little bit and just like I have a plan and I was like okay and I trusted him and he was right he had a plan I think within four months I became head of marketing and events for all three sites which was crikey that's a that's a diversion 
Yeah, it was a huge jump, but it was, you know, what I wanted. I wanted to move out of, and not necessarily the operations, that wasn't obviously the job, but I wanted to move off of the floor. I was ready to see another side of the business and, and learn something new. And yeah. that was, yeah, two years of like learning a shitload. <laughs> yeah. Like making some very bad, <laughs> bad decisions, but learning from them. And meeting Clive, you know, was uh, was amazing. I also met one of my best friends, Penny. And, like, it was, again, it was just meeting amazing people at an amazing place and then leaving with a wealth of experience in an area of the business I didn't have before. Yeah, and I suppose as well, there's an awful lot of these moments in your career, right, whereby you're thrust in to the deep end. Yeah, And, you know, it's the old sink or swim analogy, isn't it? But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people sink before they or they leave before they think they've uh, they've got it. They just think it's too difficult. It's too hard. But actually, these are the moments where you learn the most. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely someone who keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll quit certain things. I think that when I say they're a waste of time. But I mean, I just kept going and falling and going and crying through so many days and yeah there was some of that behavior experienced in New York unfortunately repeated in the head office when I was there but right. I felt a little bit older and wiser to deal with it still maybe not in the best way but um again yeah. further spurred me on to establish ladies of restaurants so good came out of it regardless yeah. But um yeah, I left there after yeah, two years. The company was like shifting and changing and I felt like it was time I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't really know what that was. So I just said I'm I'm leaving. I'm going freelance and I didn't know what that meant. I just knew it had the word free in it. And <laughs> That's a good start. I didn't realize that would also mean that my time would be free <laughs> for some of the start. So I had one client, which I worked as the restaurant fundraiser for uh, Magic Breakfast, which is a national children's charity providing breakfast to primary and secondary schools across the UK. And that was amazing. And I felt so, you know, I had all this autonomy. I could do whatever I wanted. I was just connecting with people in the industry, you know, doing what I do best, talking to people, connecting them, raising money for children. It was just so much fun. Yeah. And then I just bobbed around and I did all these like insane jobs. Like I was a tea lady for the rare tea company, which for a very short lived time, but there's nothing, you know, stranger than an American teaching English people how to brew a pot of tea. <laughs> got a lot of weird looks sometimes. I, I remember showing up to the Dorchester to teach their team and they're, I think they're a bit puzzled. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. And that was really fun too, actually, because that was, you know, again, learning something new. It was, you know, putting together training packs and actually delivering training on something. So that added another string to my bow and helped me organize my brain around like how you train people, which I kind of dabbled in when I was at Village London. Mm. Um, and then I did some marketing for small independent restaurants, you know, all around London here there and everywhere did some event production I worked with Tabasco on there on one of their big events which was super fun and all along like kind of you know talking to my girlfriends about our jobs and the sort of misogyny and um whatnot and so ladies and restaurants kind of like I guess was bubbling along it's just kind of an afterthought uh, in meanwhile, I my first entrepreneurial like jump leap was actually something called eighty six list, which I think I started in twenty fifteen, and that was meant to be this like again community thing, and we put on events pairing up an up and coming chef and an up and coming sommelier or mixologist together, and they both had like really small budgets. It was like ten quid per head or something to come up with a three course menu with pairing. It was a real challenge. Right. Yeah. And we hosted them around different places, but ended up settling actually on like a bit of a series at Brunswick House for a bit. And they were really successful. They were, you know, on Sunday nights, they were geared towards the industry. There were like 40 people. Sometimes we had a DJ, you know, and they were really fun. And I felt like, you know, I saw some of today's amazing talent, you know, there and they were, weren't, they were just starting out 
now they're doing amazing things, you know, like yeah. um, Charlie opened the Laughing Heart and John Chantarazek has Anglo Thai. He did one with us. I mean, so many amazing people that I got to come across. And then that's when Ladies in Restaurants was like, my friend Grace was kind of like, oh, we're meeting up to just like talk about vent about our jobs. And I was like, let's do that. And I'll put it on the 86 list and it'll be like a thing for women with no real structure to it. It was just like, let's meet at the pub and we'll just chat shit. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's that's kind of how every networking group starts, right? Exactly. And then kind of became all like German and organized about it. I was like, we should have a theme and it should be every Tuesday at six o'clock. And I mean, so many weeks we would just sit and it would just be the two of us. No one would come. And it was like, oh god why are we doing this this is hopeless and then like some people came and then more people came and then we kind of built up like a nice sort of core and it was like 15 women you know were coming and changed venues a bit and then we did a couple dinners and you know ticketed things and and then kind of stopped for a while and we all like, obviously everyone went and did their own thing and then I think it was May 20. 17 yeah yeah may 2017 we we came back with a bang we hosted this 100 person event at our london in hackney uh doing a panel all about guilt which resonates very well with women because we are really good at feeling guilty about just about anything Um, right i'll take your word for it (laughs) (laughs) exactly see you don't feel guilty about anything probably yeah (laughs) and that's Absolutely not true, but uh, but no, I I um uh, I'm definitely not going to delve into the 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 differences between men and women uh, when it comes to anything. Yeah, that's a, a license for uh, self destruction. <laughs> you seem like a very level headed guy. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes, that's definitely staying in. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and after that, after that response, I was like, "What? This is crazy." I think I never. And true female form, I don't think I, I really saw it as this being this real thing that like, A, was I, I thought I was the only one who felt like this, that I felt like alone or angry or, you know, yeah. wanted to be a part of a group. Um, and B, that like people would pay money to go to these things. So I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole community out there. And that's where it, like it really kicked off. And then we did some um, events with Soho House to talk to their female staff about what they felt were missing, which was really interesting. We did some workshops with them, did some workshop, like a workshop series. And then we like launched a website and I was like, oh, we're really making it now. <laughs> yeah. And when I think when I really saw the potential was when we got offered to do something at Taste of London in 2018. And we got offered a stall, which if anyone has been to Taste of London, you know, it's like 35 restaurant stalls take over yeah. um, Regent's Park. And it's madness. And I've obviously been as a, as a punter um, before. Never thought that I would go as like a stall holder. And it's, I don't have a restaurant. I mean, at that time, I didn't have a restaurant. I didn't have a site to do prep. I didn't have a site to do this. I didn't really have any seed funding to cover the cost of things. And here I was going to have to like dress a whole stall, you know, bring in staff, have staff run the stall. I mean, it it's basically a pop up restaurant for five days. Yeah, you know, um, and that was like our first humongous win challenge. Absolutely incredible experience. Like, ended up having uh, this wonderful chef Anais. Um, who most recently was head of research and development for Bao. She came on and did a savory dish. We had everyone's favorite baker, Ravni Gill, was doing the dessert. We had everyone, one of, you know, London's most famous mixologist now, like Missy Flynn, do the cocktails, you know, bodegaritas. So this incredible lineup of women doing this, like, smash-out menu. I did like just neon logo everywhere, very minimal decoration because I had no money. And the whole thing was staffed by Ladies of Restaurants volunteers who we dressed in our Ladies of Restaurant t-shirts. Yep. And we won the best dish of the whole thing. And I was like, wow. what the heck? This is hilarious. 
You don't have a restaurant. We were cutting, we were literally prepping it in my house. Like this small army of like my boyfriend and other friend chef friends of ours for free, like for beer, basically like dicing a million, you know, spring onions. Uh, mm. I mean, we did not, we were not prepared for what Taste of London brought us. And that was when it, I think things really started to kick off with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's another example of you just kind of throwing yourself into the deep end, right? Um, and uh, and see what comes out the other side. Yeah. I love the deep end, apparently. Yeah. Um, but there hasn't ever been like a real plan to Ladies of Restaurants. I've just taken it, you know, in stride while juggling any other projects that were actually funding my life. Whereas Ladies of Restaurants has always sat as a passion project. Um, yeah. And, you know, doing work with businesses like Soho House allowed me to, to you know, expand it and, and unfold like what it, what the possibilities could be. And now we sit today with, you know, all, I would say over 10,000, you know, followers in different capacities, whether they follow mm. us on Instagram or Facebook or a mailing list, or they come to our events. We launched a patron program last August, which is a very small five pounds per month, but allows you access to obviously exclusive content, free events in real life when we can do them, but we're working on some virtual events until that happens. Lots of discounts and perks that aren't just food related, like actual like mental health, wellness, take care of yourself, nice things. And, and yeah, like that's kind of where we're at now. We're like building this, what I always envisioned as this global community of women able to connect with each other. We have something called the Thought Partner Program where you can write in a thought or a question. It's kind of like agony aunt slash career coach. Yeah. And we will help you work through it. Like I'm working with this really nice woman who wants to open a community cafe in London. She doesn't know the first thing about writing a business plan, so I've been coaching her through that. I talked with another woman yesterday, actually, who works in finance, and she it wants to help hospitality people doesn't really know anything about marketing so we're going to help her with that so we just really want to make it a space that women can come and use in whatever way that they need help in you know whether it's business side or mental health side of things I just think about myself as that 26 year old girl moving to London not knowing like what restaurants I should work in how I should write my CV what neighborhoods I should work in how much salary I should be asking for and we really yeah. want ladies of restaurants to be that place that you can come to as a patron or not as a patron, you know? Yeah. And, and am I being treated correctly at work? Uh, which is, you know, something that you uh, clearly had some issues with back in the, the beginning of your career. Yeah. But then you put yourself into the shoes of somebody else who's starting out in, in a career who maybe feels the same and, and you've given them a place to go and understand what's, what's right and wrong exactly. or maybe just, you know, make them realize that actually these things that you're feeling uh, about it not being right are, are correct um yeah. and uh and here's a whole kind of community to help you get past it and and help you get to the next stage with this exactly yeah i mean that's what really powerful that's thank you thank you it's definitely a labor of love <laughs> yeah yeah for sure but it, it's good that you know you're, you're you're turning a passion project however long that might take it's you know you're great it's what small steps forward right in terms yeah. of as, making as, it its own little thing yeah as my dear friend Clive always says to me it's a marathon not a sprint so I yeah think, you know I'm trying to create something with longevity and sustainability and if that means that we trial and error a few things to reach that goal of this global community, then so be it. If I'm 60 years old, still <laughs> pushing the patron program on people, and that's when we make it a huge success, great. But, you know, I was saying this to my friend last night, actually, who is a chef. You know, I can get you can get bogged down by looking at, you know, how you measure success. And for me, I have to start measuring it in the messages that we received from women who say, I can't tell you how much you've helped me. You got me through lockdown. I can't believe you said that. I've been feeling that way for so long. Mm. Oh my God, I'm so, I can't believe I just found you. There's a woman in Baltimore who has a bagel shop. Hello, Joan. And she was like, <laughs> you left me a voice message on an email and was like, I cannot believe that I've just found you. And I was like, I can't believe we've made it to Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. 
that's... But that's really cool. And that's also the power of the, the world we live in now, right? Yeah. You know, it kind of inconceivable that 20 years ago that you could create something that has the potential to be uh, a global network. But nowadays, it's there, there really are no borders or boundaries. No. And even um, in 2019, actually, uh, a young bartender, Hannah, in Finland reached out to me and was like, can you come to Finland? And I was, right. I was like, I would absolutely love to come to Finland. We just need to find someone to help us fund it. And she was like, okay. And she went and she found like Quantro and they sponsored our, our flights and found a PR agency who had restaurants and they sorted out all the food. And then we yeah. set up and we flew to Finland. I say we, Jane, who works with me. Hi, Jane. She's the best. I would die without her. Um, we flew to Finland and had a round table of 14 of like Finland's most, you know, powerful women in hospitality and talked about all the things that bother them in this industry and they're the exact same things that bother women in the uk right <laughs> so yeah and, and they've got to deal with the, the the terrible temperatures there as well oh my gosh it was so cold we went in november i think it was right end of november december we did go swim in the baltic we went did the sauna sauna swim thing because we just felt you know when in rome yeah gotta and do it it was an incredible experience the whole thing was incredible. I just couldn't, like, kept saying, can you believe we are in Finland? We're in Helsinki. Like, what the heck? This is so crazy. So I'm just, I can't wait to travel more with this company, with, you know, reaching more women and helping yeah. them in any way that we can. That's all I want to do with it is yeah. help people. Which you're already doing. And I I love the fact that your your goal with this is to kind of make it global, you know, at the moment you're you're in the UK and that's where it started but the fact that your message is getting around the world already without you even I suppose really strategizing that you know it's just it's wonderful yeah thank you and hello to anyone in the world listening if you'd like to get involved please just follow us at ladies of restaurants and get in touch I'm the one who checks all the emails <laughs> yeah uh, well and um uh, Funny you mentioned the, the global thing. I got my first listener in Angola this year, uh, this Whoa. week. Whoa! Yeah, I uh, we're definitely global. Now. Oh my! <laughs> I think the podcast is actually listened to in all corners of the world now, uh, which is quite incredible. And again, I, I had absolutely no intention for that. I just my objective with this was to raise the bar on the message that gets out around this industry and, and actually all of the great stuff that happens rather than focusing on uh, on all the bad stuff and um, I agree more I think that there aren't enough programs out there about our industry in a yeah. good way so thank you yeah oh thank you and you're also the first guest actually that's uh, that gives shout outs to people oh um, as well. <laughs> so you're, you're pioneering even at this stage <laughs> American I just I was so that kid like calling in the radio stations when I was younger like can I give a shout out to my mom yeah. and my dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool so what what's are you also involved in a restaurant yeah. in uh, Margate yes yeah, so my partner is a chef who has his own prolific career and he and I set up a restaurant business in 2019 in Margate we'd gone traveling and kind of left London without a real plan and got offered this amazing opportunity to open up a place in Dreamland which is the amusement park down here and they were looking to offer an, an elevated dining experience to park goers you know obviously they have the pizzas and fries and chips and whatnot fish and chips yep. but they wanted something a bit different so we went in there and put something in we got a lot of fans from the local community it wasn't right for the park so we moved out and kind of bobbed around margate for a bit before now we kind of have a few homes so we do the food at the rose and june which is a great local pub down here it's actually shepherd neen um and they are fantastic deke is the like best publican there ever was right so, I mean, if you're looking for a good time, come down to see us at Rose and June because you will get great banter, excellent cocktails and delicious food. What more do you want? What more do you want? And then last year with the pandemic, we went back to Dreamland to see if we could borrow one of their food trucks because we knew they weren't going to be opening the park. And they were like, or you could have this rooftop space that we're not using. 
So, uh, which was uh, incredible because that what what did you want to be out last summer was outside because of the pandemic. So we yeah. had this humongous rooftop restaurant that we started last summer, Barletta on the roof, and we've got it again this summer, which is fantastic news. Um, Great. Fingers crossed. Is that is that a seasonal yeah. park anyway? Yes, it is a seasonal park, but they, they do a really amazing program of music events. They've got an indoor hall by the sea space um, and they've got big plans at that space, to, that place to do even more. Um, right. And I love, I love a bit of dreamland, like Tom Mel C there for Margate Pride. <laughs> it's super fun. It is. And, you know, they've got the, what is the roller coaster called? I can't remember, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a listed ride. So they can't ever knock it down. So even right. if they were to build something else, there would be this crazy roller coaster winding through whatever they built. I have never actually been to Margate, and um, oh, I, I'm really led to believe. It, yeah, I, I definitely will. It's a. Uh, it, it's been regenerated something massive, hasn't it? And yeah. over the course of ten years or something. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've only been here coming up two years. Jackson, my partner, was uh, did a pop up here in 2016 with. Uh, another uh, restaurant that he was doing called Chiringuito. And I think even in that, that space of time, he's seen humongous change. I mean, and even in the two years that we've been here, I've seen a huge change. You know, new businesses opening left, right and centre. And obviously a, a lot of people moved down after the pandemic last year. After the first yeah. lockdown, we saw a lot of, there's like a Facebook group that people write into looking for accommodation. And it was just like, whoa (laughs) so but it's good it's good good. it is good you know it's like hackney that used to be a shithole i mean well i take that back used to be (laughs) a little less gentrified is what i'm trying to say (laughs) that's exactly the same thing you've just used better words yes used to be a little less gentrified and now look at it i mean shortage what is that place it's crazy i know so i think Margate will always have, you know, a little bit of roughness around the edges. I hope it does, because I think that actually is what makes it have its character. Right. Um, and there is so much like history and you can see what it would have looked like, you know, in the Victorian days, <laughs> the bathing areas. And it must have been absolutely incredible. But it's changed. And there's a beautiful community of people down here. And I feel so lucky to live here. Even yeah. on the bad gray days, I know I've got the best people around me and we have incredible food businesses, great independent shops and everyone's friends. And That's the brilliant. is right there. Yeah, well, and but also all of what you've just said just comes back to obviously the, the community element is, is important to you, not only in terms of what you're creating online, but actually on your doorstep as well, right? I mean, I, that's come late to me as well, I think. When you're in your 20s, well, I certainly, somebody in my 20s, I was very outward looking and just wanted to go explore. I was only talking to somebody about this the other day, actually, about the fact that I've I've never really felt like I have my roots anywhere because there's a world out there and I kind of want to see it. Mm. But it's now, I suppose I've settled down a little bit as I uh, head into my 40s. And actually, I place a massive amount of value on what's on my doorstep. Yeah, I'm completely the same. Always looking where I should be instead of where I am. And actually, yeah, the community thing is, is so important and everything. I think that's what I've learned out of this pandemic, actually, is that everything I need is right here. Maybe other than yeah. my family, but everything that I need or want, it's already here. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. I always ask everyone that come on the show if they've got any funny stories that they could share with us do you have any funny stories from your time in hospitality that you can repeat oh i already dropped the one about the champagne juice <laughs> funny story i don't oh you really put me on i should have thought about this before and then i didn't <laughs> well to be fair the the go-to place next after funny is situations where you found yourself out of your depth but i think we can safely say that we've covered that yeah i for sure. definitely covered that. <laughs> yeah 
But um, the key thing is the lessons you take, right, from all of these experiences. The the idea behind the um, the funny stories was exactly to demonstrate that it's not all hard graft and pressure. That there are the the light touch moments, um, you know, that everybody kind of looks back at fondly. I mean, maybe didn't even look back at it fondly at the time. But um, but so many stories happen across the, the face of your career that where you just like God, what what was I thinking? What were they thinking? Yeah. And the 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 point being is is that I just think this this industry serves up these opportunities for fun so frequently that you know sometimes we we don't see it for what it actually is. I think that there are probably I'm just like 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 having flashbacks now just hearing you say that and. I guess there probably are so many funny stories I could relay, but actually they wouldn't be that funny to anyone else because there's so many small moments that you have with your team in every restaurant that you work in that are little inside jokes and little, you know, things that only you guys know from that time working there. Yeah. So yeah, there are, I'm just thinking about all the yeah funny people that I worked with and all of the funny things that we would do that to me are hilarious, but probably wouldn't translate very well in the podcast format yeah yeah well um i think we've all got a book in us haven't we yes of the um the uh the funny one on the cruise ships was always getting approached by a a a little old lady and saying excuse me sir do these stairs go down um i always loved that one um i couldn't i couldn't actually um hold myself together do the crew sleep on board so that's another one we could write a whole book on things stupid things guests say yeah but <laughs> uh, you know the guests let's do it let's do it yeah great well what's the uh once we get past this uh situation we're in at the moment what's what's the next well i suppose your your community group actually can still move forward uh, even in times of lockdown. Yeah, I mean, we have really used this time wisely. We've started recording our own podcast. Yay for us. That's a really good idea. <laughs> so we've done three episodes so far. We've got a few more in the books. It'll be 12 episodes per season. And kind of like you, you know, shining a light on people doing great things in the world of hospitality. But with each guest, we want to sort of hone in on one thing, um, whether it's like, you know, building a community or drugs and alcohol abuse or sustainability um, yeah. we'll be covering a wide variety of topics and that's set to come out on international women's day which is the 8th of march what a great date to pick yeah that's a big day for us usually we would be having our first ever uh, festival called in service that was pushed from last march to this march that obviously is now getting pushed yet again to the later part of this year but like glastonbury mm. we roll on and we will prevail uh, yeah but we've got some exciting things planned for international women's day regardless so fantastic yeah great stuff so, so yeah so we're we'll doing the podcast and then obviously we've got the rooftop to launch down here get the pub back up and running once that happens and then We've got a third new project that I'm not at liberty to say it yet. But oh, no exclusive. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, under, I'm under like very strict orders from the business. That's cool. I'll let you off. But watch this space. Watch the bar letter space because it's going to be very exciting. It's a big, big step for us. Like a huge step, step for us in a very big direction. So. Brilliant. That sounds like a, a very exciting year ahead then. Yeah, non-stop. <laughs> Brilliant. Is there any other way to be? No, I don't know any other way to be. Yeah, absolutely. So um, very quickly and finally, um, what would you say to somebody who was con- considering a, a, a career in hospitality? I would say a few things. I would say don't come out this career thinking that it's going to be like a normal career it's not an office job you don't work normal hours there will be sacrifices to your life at the start of your career but it doesn't mean that you can't set boundaries and have that shift as you come up the ranks so to speak yeah i would say 
get as much experience as you can and as much exposure, whether that's in your job or when you're not at work. I think going out to eat and reading and and watching and listening and tasting is our best education. You don't need to go to university to be in this industry. Yes, of course it helps, but that's the beauty of it. It's tasting, you know, smelling, talking, meeting. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's no degree for that yet, is there? No, not yet. I mean, there are obviously hospitality degrees, but they're very expensive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and. And yeah, like I, the how kind of I'm so glad I did what I did, which was go to restaurants, try before you buy. You know, go to restaurants, sit down. You know, talk to the staff. I used to always get a seat at the bar next to the service station, so I could like interact with the staff a little bit and see nice. how they were, see how they're talking at the service bar. If they're all smiley and engaging with each other, then it's probably a great place to work. Good call. I like that. I've not had that one before yeah that's uh, i mean it's total sense right if the people look happy then maybe it's a happy place to work even if they're like bitching at the past i mean that's great but like at least they're having banter you know yeah <laughs> like, people are just like at the service station not talking to each other head down looking mopey just like robots i mean you don't want to work there yeah work good there. yeah good point Pizzazz. Nice one. <laughs> brilliant well look thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your your story i uh I, I really I think what you're doing is brilliant and it's this is a, I have to say I have to thank doing the podcast for for introducing me to people like you because I, I think you're really making a difference from certainly from what I can see from the outside looking in uh, obviously as a man I don't I'm probably not your prime candidate <laughs> for... we love we love an ally we have you know, <laughs> allies well you definitely got one of those thank for sure um and anything i can do to help i will happily do so thank you so much phil thank you so much for having me on it's um it was a real pleasure to to talk i mean i know i talked incessantly but that's that's what you're supposed to do yeah you you have passed thank you <laughs> you may move on to your own podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant stuff thank thanks you. very much thank you so much you're very welcome take care bye-bye and there we have it. What an awesome story from Natalia, full of roller coaster moments, but demonstrating that so much good can come out of bad moments. Natalia has certainly made a fan out of me. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm next Wednesday with more stories from hospitality. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.